want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. On the podcast today is our friend, Michelle Foster. She is a heart-centered registered drama therapist and has been working with children and adolescents to help them discover their unique voice for over 10 years throughout South Florida. She utilizes a variety of theater and psychotherapy techniques to create a holistic experience to honor and support the individual to meet their unique needs. Can you see why I'm having her on? All the things that I love. In this episode, we discuss finding your truth through finding your joy, connecting with your inner child and play, play y'all, and learning to hear yourself and speak your voice. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Michelle, welcome so much to the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest. I'm honored. You just told me that you have listened to every single episode. You are caught up that you are a super fan. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why have you listened to every single episode? Uh, you know what? I want to say it's I'm studying how others have done it to be successful, to be heart-centered, and be able to give out to others. Yeah, so I, I'm very interested to see like how people are successful when they get to be themselves. And that means a whole lot to me. And that's the vibe I get from your podcast. And that's why I'm hooked. So I'm a super fan. And now you're here as a guest, which I am really happy to have you because I know that people are going to love your story and ultimately love you. So let's back up. And tell everyone who you are, what you do, and all those beautiful questions. Thank you. Okay, so I'm a registered drama therapist. Uh, what that means is um, using theater for a therapeutic goal. So I can do mask work, role playing, um, improvisation, you name it, just to help someone meet their life goals, those challenges. And I like to laugh. So there's a lot of humor in what I do. Because I find laughter to be the best kind of medicine, especially today, right? Yeah, right now we need laughter, like maybe more than any time in history, we need to be able to laugh at ourselves and laugh at what's going on in the world. Because maybe not any more than any time in history, but at least in our history, in the time that mm -hmm. we've been here this time around on the planet, this is a trying time for so many people. So what kind of clients do you work with? So I used to say, I want to work with everyone. I want to reach everyone. I think more now than ever, my call to action is to work with children because they're our future, you know? So I kind of want to like plant the seeds of hope because the world could be a little shaky and I um, believe I'm the right person to provide that guidance. And since I am very tapped into my inner child, that's where I'm most connected with, with children. And I mean, I do work with adults, but I think my call to action really now more than ever is to work with, you know, children, adolescents. Yeah, we talked about this when you took Real Stories That Sell. Yes. You came in, like so many people do, wanting to help 
everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We all do because we all like, you know, that's the thing about being a heart centered open person is that you actually want to help people. You just want to help people. Right. And you feel like you want to help everyone. You don't want to leave anybody behind, but ultimately we have to narrow a bit. And that was one of the beautiful things that I witnessed you do during real stories was find your heroine, your hero, customer client yeah and watching you do that was really beautiful honestly thank you that means a lot you know um and I'll just say you know taking your course I felt validated and seen and you know we all hear this you know it just takes a smile you know a a word affirmation to really give us that little spark that catalyst to find our truth And, you know, I came across your course at a point where I was at a crossroads, not being able to serve my clients face to face. So I was like, okay, I either can sink or swim in this, you know, uncharted territory known as COVID. And I'm like, I'm not going to let this define me. So I, I took your course and I was able to navigate through my own confusion to say, well, where were your kids bring me joy? You know, Mm -hmm. and I believe when when we work and when we're aligned with our true selves, we find that sense of joy. The right people come to you and you're able to do your best work. And I know it's my best work, especially right now, is working with kids. Yeah. So I want to talk about not only the kids that you work with, but let's back up to your kid. Let's back up to your childhood and what brought you to this point of wanting to work with kids. What from your past, from your childhood made you want to? Oh, I really love that question because I'm so clear on it now. You know, I can say, oh, you know, moving and here and that, but more specifically, you know, as a kid, I didn't get the nurturing I wanted. And with that, you know, I was provided with, you know, um, shelter and all the physical needs were being met. But because my parents were both busy, I wasn't always emotionally, you know, satisfied. I wasn't heard. And I noticed like in my work, I always am drawn to those who want to be validated and seen. It's really about that. And so it came to me, my line of work on finding ways to help others create their own stories. But with my own childhood, I wasn't too clear. But this whole year, I was able to really, you know, work on myself and discover that that was something I was missing. I wasn't being heard. So I was given the opportunity, you know, this whole year with your course, um, doing a lot of self-help to recognize that the little Michelle, she still wants to be heard. She wants to still be validated and seen. And that's what it comes down to, you know, satisfying myself, but also helping others just really be seen and heard. I think that that's a core belief for a core need, not belief, a core need for so many of us is to be seen or heard that's what you know you hear people say over and over and over again so how do you see yourself so you can help others I see myself as someone who seeks to be authentic I also see myself as someone who tries to look for not so much like the bright side of things but that there's possibility you know there's always a solution to something and if we can't find a solution within ourselves reach out to others so I hear you say that I 110% agree. Now let's say I'm somebody who's out there who's a bit more skeptical or a cynic and is like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Michelle can do it. Michelle had Michelle had everything growing up. She had an easy life. Huh. <laughs> I would say 
thank you very much for recognizing the hard work I've done. Okay, because it's not an overnight success story, because no story is overnight. There's work, there's steps, you know, that go into play. And I would simply tell you, I hear what you're saying. What you're telling me is that you want to be able to work through what's going on to find a way that you're able to walk clearly. Yeah, you you mentioned inner child work. What does that mean for you? And how, how do you connect with your inner child? So I actually started maybe a couple of years ago, noticing that I would get like, you know, certain like knots in my throat, right? And it's, it's, it's strange, but like whenever I would feel not being heard or seen, you know, like I would always hold back my voice. I would develop this like strange pain doing, you know, let's say for example, like journaling and, and what have you. I recognize that as a kid, because it goes back to childhood, right? not being able to articulate or really have that support that I needed, right? This is just my story. I would always like repress and not speak up, right? And that carried on throughout, you know, life and what have you. Having these knots and then being able to like work on myself and actually speak up and say, hey, you know what? I don't feel like I'm being heard or I'm not taken seriously. Being able to voice that was revolutionary. It, I felt like, you know, like the knots were relieved and I was able to just feel comfortable. What do you think from your culture, from your upbringing, from where you're from, how did that affect that voice being heard? That's another actually good question because coming from like a mixed ethnic background, you know, mom, you know, her background's Caucasian, you know, European descent, and then dad Hispanic. There was a divide you know, and I had to navigate through that. And I didn't really, you know, have someone say, hey, are you okay, Michelle, this and that. So I had like one very like vibrant and, and very, you know, Hispanic culture, you know, growing up in that. But then, you know, mom's side, very reserved. And so it was, it was kind of like, I wish I had a manual. I wish I had like, you know, some sort of guide to tell me, Michelle, it's gonna be okay, you know, embrace these two cultures because, it just makes your history that much richer. But, you know, aside from like, you know, growing like in a mixed household, I moved a lot with that, like moving a lot and then like living with like two different, like, you know, cultural backgrounds and no way of like meshing, you know, this way of growing up. I pretty much felt alone. And for the most part, I would build up these walls. I didn't allow anyone in. I just didn't feel, you know, comfortable allowing, you know, like myself to just be free. So it was complicated, yeah. It sounds complicated, and it, it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is that you had these two different experiences in the same household, and you were moving a ton, and so you never felt a stability underneath, and so nobody was pointing the way for you. How did you find the tools to manage that, and now, as an adult, share them with others? Through a lot of trial and error. It really starts with me, like, you know, like I traveled a lot because I wanted to run away from that and spending that time away from what felt complicated and unsettling, I was able to reflect and hear my inner voice. I was able to, you know, touch base on my inner wisdom and really see that what I experienced was an experience. It was what it was, you know, and I don't have to hold on to that. And I was able to just hear myself and then being able to hear myself I was able to hear others from that I was like oh, I get people I get complications and this feels like a right fit and so 
you know, that actually led to my career path, you know, and my background also is in theater. So, you know, I was able to combine, you know, like my artistry with therapy and it just came, it just happens. It came to me because I found my truth, my path through all that. Yeah. And what kind of tools or what kind of creative arts do you use with kids so they can connect to their path quicker and more efficiently and so they can be seen and they can be heard? So I believe in the power of storytelling. Mm. You know, storytelling. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I believe in the power of storytelling. And kids, they, they are able to be much more truthful through play. They're able to act out behaviors or, let's say, like characters that normally they wouldn't be able to do in a everyday context. So what I enjoy doing is being able to create these stories based on, you know, reality, but we can throw characters like, you know, superhero, dragons, what have you, but, and they could represent different things. We focus on like, what is the problem? Okay. How can we transform that into a story? And then how do you want to see yourself and how do you, how do you want to get there? So we explore those steps. So when I'm working with kids, it's a lot of storytelling, trying out different roles and just showing possibility that, you know, we can be who we can be. I'm sitting here smiling because while you work with kids and that works really well with kids, every adult listening <laughs> can use that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the idea of storytelling and play and it not taking it too seriously and, and helping your voice be heard. These are all these are all things that adults can use in their life and in their business to help them ascend. I've watched you do it. You sent me a, a video. It was my I think it's my all time favorite. Don't tell anyone else. It is my all time. Shh, don't tell anyone. It's my all time favorite testimonial video I've ever gotten because you use props you did this like super playful it was awesome this it was like it was like you were a kid playing creating this testimonial video for me and I'll never forget it and I I think it's one of my favorite like I said because it was so creative it was so imaginative and it was a story you were very meta you used storytelling in order to create a testimonial about a storytelling course. It was really fantastic. Those props and those tools and that creativity, how do kids act at first when you give them these tools? Is it like automatic for them or, or do they like have to come and find it? It's, you know what? Children have no judgment and they're able to be in the present moment. It's like when we become an adult, we have this inner critic that says, don't do that. I'm going to look foolish and what have you, right? But as children, and this is how I could say I really connect with children is because I believe in being in the here and now. And so children are just very ready to engage in this creative play because not only does it take them away from whatever it is that they're facing, but they're able to connect with their, you know, newfound friends or just be able to relate in a way that is fun and light. Again, hello adults out there. Take a listen to what she just said. Because I think that we, the inner critic, what I call Mr. Inner Critic, my Mr. Inner Critic gets going and he starts telling me stories that aren't real. Yes. And when I can invite Mr. Critic to come play with me and really open, that's when the creative juices get going for me. When I invite him to the party, 
and say, hey, rather than trying to get rid of him because I can't get rid of him, say, hey, come join and let's play. And let's not take it quite so seriously. Yeah. You know, the best way I, I like to look at the inner critic is someone who's trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. That's who he or she really is, right? Just safeguarding our hearts, ourselves. So with play, we're able to let that go. The inner critic will be caught off guard and say, hey, what the heck is going on? And we might get, you know, red in the face and physically we'll, we'll show like this doesn't feel good. But it goes if we see others play with us and be, I go back to the here and now, right? Then they let that go and inner critic feels safe. So it's really about safety. And that's why the inner critic really steps in. At what age do you see in general? This is a generalization because, of course, mm-hmm. it's different for everyone. But at what age do you see where that Mr. Critic, that inner critic, whatever you want to call him or her, starts to develop? Because you're saying kids, when they're young, they just go for it. They just play. But at some point, we cross this bridge and we go into that critic land. Do you know what time of development that begins? There's a lot of factors in play. You know, let's say if the child is raised in a safe, you know, nurturing environment, right? And the child, it goes back to safety. When the child doesn't feel safe anymore, and it could be like moving, right, for instance, or at a party where they feel a little different, right? So there's a lot of variables. So like it goes back to, I would say maybe seven, eight years old when we're like, you know, approaching that age when we we become more Mm self-conscious. So it depends, you know, but it depends on like, you know, life circumstance. So then how do you go back to, as an adult, to that time, like your inner child and connect with it and let it know that it's safe to play? There's some things you can do actually right now, and it doesn't require therapy. You can simply make a date with yourself and say, you know what? I just want to go to the park and go on a swing. That could be one thing. Just like do something silly like that. If you have kids and you've never really, you know, puked down to their level and let's say get on the carpet and play with toys, I'm going to say, you know what? Today after work, please do that. And let's say you don't have that accessibility, you could maybe write a letter to your inner child. Maybe there's a part of you you that really didn't get the love that it needed or the support, you know, whatever the case might be. And you can just say simply like, hey, how are you? I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things you can do to tap into the inner child. But play, play is the number one thing. Get silly, get messy. Get messy. Get up and dance. You all, you know, people ask yes. me, people ask me why I dance in, why I, you know, why I dance into all my videos, why I dance all the time. And part of it is because as a kid, I had this moment where I was dancing and I was having such a great time, but I had a, a cup of uh, juice in my hand and I dropped it and it splattered everywhere and glass went everywhere. Mm. And I got scolded so hard for that. And I remember at that moment that I sort of turned off like that free form dance. And yes, I became a dancer, a professional dancer, but it was very structured and disciplined. And that free form idea got shattered when that glass got shattered that day. Mm. And Mm. so now I connect back to that and I sort of reframe it for myself of going back, of picking up those pieces of that glass and allowing myself to just be that kid at that age 
anytime I'm feeling stuck, anytime I'm feeling hurt or, or scared or unseen, I go back to that playfulness within my body and embody it. Okay. So you mentioned something very key, and I hope you guys picked up on that. He said reframing, right? So we can't change the memory of something happened, but we could change our perspective. So another way of tapping into, let's say, that much more innocent and playful side that before that event happened, like, you know, for you is that glass, is just looking at the situation, just say, you know what, my mom and dad, they reacted because for whatever reason, but that was their reaction. That was their response to the situation. However, I do miss that playful joy because it felt good, Mm -hmm. right? So if dancing is something that you used to like doing, you can still do it. If you used to like singing, but Sally Mae said, no, uh uh-uh, girl, you don't sound good. Just say, you know what? I'm going to listen to Whitney Houston and crank that song while I'm driving. Windows will be up, whatever, and have your own concert. And that is a perfect way. You know, I failed to mention, like, to tap into your inner child is to revisit those moments that wiped away that innocence and playfulness. Yeah. And I have a daily conversation with my children. I call them my children. All these, (laughs) like, you know, these, the children that are within that have had these moments that have, have been at various stages of my life. I, you know, I call him little Nick and I have one called Nikki, who's like a cheerleader. And <laughs> I have young Nick, who was like from my teenage years that I connect oh. with because like you're saying, when I can reframe, then I can change the perspective. The heaviness can go away and it become more playful and more light. And I can feel more seen. Yes. Even without maybe that person seeing me fully. Yes, yes, yes. I want to go back to, you know, like what I do with, you know, children really is look at those narratives, those stories that replay, right? The cycle in our head that make us feel not so good. We examine those, you know, and it goes back to any of us. We examine those narratives that don't serve us well. And we focus on how to reframe and how to repurpose right, those moments in order to be able to feel free, you know, and play. And be able to allow others in that play. And that's when it becomes very special. when We can let others play with us and laugh. Yeah, I like that part. Having others play with us and laugh. So that brings me to like community. Mm. We do this as individuals, right? But then how do we uh, bring others into a sort of community healing or a collective healing? Mm. I love this because there is power in community, community healing. Oftentimes, our problems are identical to someone who might be five houses down. So just imagine you get a group of people, right, and you're there to work on an issue. Let's say it's a divorce group or what have you. And the more and more you share these stories, the more you identify, the more you feel actually seen and no longer alone, which will motivate you to want to share your own story. Or maybe by hearing someone else's story, there's healing in that. So that is the magic for me behind like community healing. That's why we need each other. We definitely need each other. I think it can be done in so many different ways. You know, your dharma or what you're bringing into the world can 
facilitate healing, community healing. Yes. You know, you were saying about how we share our story and there we connect to others. You know, that is every reason why I created Real Stories That Sell, as you Mm -hmm. know, is to help others tell their story so that it has this ripple effect. I have a goal of 108 million stories told through the ripple. And when we do, we connect on such a beautiful, pure level, person to person, where we can see each other, as we're saying. And it can be done no matter what you you do for a living, no matter what kind of community you're in. Right. It's something that we can all do in various ways, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And that it doesn't need to be necessarily through storytelling as your profession. You and I both professionally tell stories. But storytelling can be used in anything that you do so you can connect with people. Right. I think you've mentioned this. We're all natural storytellers. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have stories to to tell. We're not that unlikely of each other. You know, we we, there's a way to connect. And it's about just being open and, and just be willing to share. Right. And I always encourage, you know, like those who I work with and also family and friends to say, listen, Share what you can own. Oh, I like that. Share what you can own. Yeah, because you don't want to like reveal something that you were not prepared to share. Mm -hmm. And then you retreat back to a state that is not what you're aspiring to be. Yeah. Yeah. You have created a one woman (laughs) show. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's, you know, something I've always wanted to do. And I knew I had a story to tell, you know, and I knew that. It wasn't, it would be interesting and what have you. No one would want to listen to me. It was, how do I tell this story? Where do I begin? Right. And that's kind of how I start my woman show. And it's called Let Them Have It. So the beginning of Let Them Have It, you know, like, and this has been the story of my life, you know, putting the jigsaw puzzle pieces together because I moved and like, you know, having this like mixed childhood. And I just didn't have sense of like, you know, what was going on. And I just kind of had to figure out on my own. So I raised myself. And with that being said, let them have it. I was able to pull these stories together and take my audience on this hero's journey. Wink, wink. You know, real stories. That's so. <laughs> Like I took them on my own Shiro's journey on like how I became the woman I am today. And I would have to say because of your course, Nick, you know, real stories that sell, I um, was able to organize how I wanted to present myself. But then I took it a bit further when I did my own processing, you know, drama therapy processing in this program called Autobiographical Therapeutic Performance. And it's really looking at your own story, your own hero's journey, and sharing what you can own in order to help others, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I, it's therapeutic for myself, but as you as the audience, it's therapeutic because you may identify with something, right? And it goes back to what you were saying, right? That we have these stories that the rippling effect, that we don't know who we're going to impact, but we can impact, you know, maybe one or maybe a million. We don't know. Right. You really don't know by sharing yourself and your story, you set into motion something that you have no idea its power. And I I hear all the time, oh my gosh, that story you told, and I'm like, wow, that was a couple of years ago. I barely even remember Mm -hmm. that, right? And yet people will come up to me and say, you really touched me. And I think that's brilliant. And for me, by you coming into the course, and taking the course, you done telling your story is a ripple for me. 
yeah. as well. We don't know how we affect others. And then, then you are now out affecting however thousands and millions of people that you're going to affect. Yeah, you know, going back to my performance, let them have it. The reactions I got, the response was, it caught me off guard, you know, because here I have been wanting to tell the story and having the opportunity, 2020, thank you very much, right? Um, to sit with myself and, and really make sense of like, you know, my childhood and being able to accept, you know, my parents for who they are and why I responded and reacted and was a wild child, you know, I was able to make sense of all of that. It was quite liberating and being able to draw others in and, you know, others, you know, to comment saying, I remember that or I identify with that. And wow, Michelle, you're really good storytelling. And I'm like, really? I just needed the right platform and the support and the opportunity. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What advice do you have? For somebody out there who's like, I know that I have stories in me. I know that I do. I just don't know like where to begin or how to do this or what advice do you have for them? I would say, what is a reoccurring theme in your life? What is something that has been kind of like, you know, gnawing at you, you know, like, like, is it something from a say career path or would it, would it be like, you know, something way back when. All right, that's a good starting point. Now, what journey do you want to take us on? Mm -hmm. And also, this could be to be continued, right? Because we have more than just one story, but we got to go somewhere. And the fact that you want to share your story, that's the beginning. Now, let's just go ahead and not judge what story we're going to tell. Let's just figure out what journey do you want to explore. Love that. And connect it with your inner child. Yes. So we're coming full circle here so that it's playful, it's fun, it feels yes. good, it's yes. joyous. Yes, yes, yes. You know, as adults, we lose sense of play, you know, but when we're able to connect to our inner child, life is that much more rich and joyful. What my director told me when I was doing my one-woman show is, Okay, there is trauma in there, but there's joy. You're fun, Michelle. And you used to tell me that, Nick. You're like, okay, where's the joy, right? With Like when I did the Facebook Lives, you're like, okay, where's the joy, right? And that was like a reoccurring theme. So when I was able to tell my story, you know, I was like, what helped me get through my life was laughter. So I got to throw some laughter in there. I got to throw some comedy, some joy. It doesn't mean there isn't any, you know, sadness because, the best comedy is based in truth. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's laughter in sadness and yeah. sadness and laughter. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a flip of the, it's the flip, the other side of the coin in a way. So any final thoughts for us about inner child, about storytelling, about working with kids, anything you want to share? I would say find moments to play throughout your day. You know, just take a break and, you know, go for a walk. I would also say feel comfortable reaching out to others. Just be yourself. Just be yourself because we only have the present. And it really comes down to, you know, just being comfortable in our own skin. So I would say take a break, laugh, and reach out to others. Beautiful. Thank you, Michelle, so very much for being here, for being a star student. <laughs> star student. <laughs> Thank you for being here for sharing your story with us. And um, I know there's some great takeaways for people there. For anybody, where do they find you? 
they could find me at lwchealingarts at outlook.com. My website will be coming up. So please email me and let's connect. Let's see how we can partner up and get to work and play. And play. <laughs> Love that. So be sure to uh, send her a message telling her how much you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did enjoy the podcast, please go and write us a review on iTunes. It's how we connect with more and more people to let them know about the podcast. For some reason, Apple loves those reviews. So we need them to help continue the show. Thank you so much. See you next time.